Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week, and we are going to do one of your requests. We got a request from Sidewinder on Apple Podcast, asking us to talk about Jack Kirby's The Demon. So we're going to do that towards the end of the podcast. If you've got a request, drop it over in the old Apple Podcast. What's up, Pete? You have a question about this? Would it be Sidewinder? I had that question too, but I didn't want to get into it. You know, okay. that's a great right. question. Could be uh, honestly, there's no way of knowing. One's a real yeah. word, where the other one is not. Who's to yeah. say which is which? Okay. Yeah, all right. It could be either one. Alex. <laughs> anyway, we'll be talking about that at the end of the podcast. We got so many new comic books to get through so let's get into it kicking it off with yeah. black adam number one from dc comics written by priest art by rafa sandoval this is the first part of a 12 part maxi series clearly meant to be on the shelves in time for the new black adam movie starring the rock and i'll tell you what as much as i enjoyed this it was a surprising turn for that sort of thing by which i mean you would expect it to be an across the plate Here's Black Adam looking like The Rock, messing shit up, acting like he does in the movie type thing. And it's not that at all. It's Priest doing his typical, very weird sort of thing. I really like Priest as a writer. So, like, I was really, because I felt the same way. I was like, oh, here comes some uh, The Rock fodder uh, Black Adam stuff. This was really good. The format was cool and refreshing. All the characters have such strong voices throughout the issue. I was intrigued by the way they're all interacting with each other and a great last page reveal. Great art as well by Rafa Sandoval. This is really good book. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you guys are hating on The Rock here, but... Uh, I'm not I, hating I, on The Rock. Seems like you guys are a little... little but Love I think... Rock. Love all rocks. Oh, wow, that's a huge <laughs> statement. I don't know if I'm going to say... Igneous, sedimentary. They're not all uh, great. Anyways, uh, I was impressed with this. I was like... 
I again was like, uh, all right, here we go. It's going to be just setting up the movie. But uh, I found it was very interesting and a cool setup for this arc. Uh, Really impressive. I'm fun. I thought it was a, a really impressive first issue. Yeah, so most of this is Teth Adam dealing with stuff that's having uh, to do with Kondok. Uh, There's a little bit of Black Adam in the book, not as much as you might expect, uh, but he gets involved in a nude character that has some surprising twists at the end. So I I agree with you guys, really fun. Uh, But I think if you are going in expecting it to be the rock Black Adam, that's not what it is at all. Let's move on then and talk about Punisher War Journal Blutes. Number ah, one from ah. Marvel, written by Torin Gronbach, art by Lan Medina. This is tying into the new take on Punisher by Jason Aaron. And here we're getting a story, a one-shot story of the Punisher in two different timelines. One, the timeline where he is the Beast, working for the Hand. And the other one, back in the day, leading him to this confrontation with the guy in the present. Pete, you're our Punisher guy. What did you think about this? This is just glorious, you know? I mean... Uh, just a heads up, if you're thinking like, oh, this is going to be a nice story where Punisher is just journaling a lot and kind of going through some of his thoughts and old adventures, it's going to be a little different. But I, Where do you I, think he keeps the pen in, in the paper for his journal? I'm, it's, it's, I think it's on one of the teeth of the skull. I think it's, it's mm. right there. It's painted white, so it kind of fits, but it does, you can't really see it, but it's there. Uh, Pete, that reminds me. Did you see, I think this was going around this week, uh, a tweet where someone was like um, uh, the Punisher's face before he became the Punisher skull. And they took the Punisher skull from the shirt and added uh, flesh to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was like, this is how Frank Castle would look like for real. And it's very funny because oh, that, nice. that skull looks, you know, dumb compared to a regular hey, skull, long teeth. Hey, come on, man. It's got very long teeth. Sometimes, you know, people have long teeth. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Well, what do we? Who has long teeth? You this book is elephants? good. Tusks? I enjoyed this book. I thought this was a good story of the Punisher. It's not quite as vital as the Jason Aaron series, which feels like a revelation. But if you're looking for a good, solid Punisher story set in this continuity, I think this is one to check. Out. Yeah, this is just kind of a classic Punisher kind of uh, uh, adventure story here, and you're kind of getting this fun kind of uh, back and forth between two stories. This is great. What does he talk to the hand guys about? Because they're not chatty. Well, Punisher's not chatty, so they're a perfect combination. Don't, none of them talk? No. They're not like friends at all? You're not going to be like, you know, on the helicopter ride to the mission. So uh, how's the hand benefits? Nobody's going to chat it up, you know? That's yeah. the nice thing about a Punisher. Does he talk to the hand because the big teeth ain't speaking? Is that wow. Going on? <laughs> wow. Um, this was This was fun. Um, I the the <laughs> the Punisher. I'm talking about this conversation. The Punisher in hand, it still feels like a little bit of a mismatch. It feels I don't know what we're doing with it. So I. What do you mean? It's let's say the Punisher had access to the hand. How would he punish? That's exactly what we're seeing here. Very cool setup. Uh, yeah, I guess um, that's what you think. Yeah. The Lonesome Hunters, number one, from Dark Horse Comics by Tyler Crook. The idea of this book is a young kid is gifted a magic sword that will help him fight evil, and he decides not to do that. Then, Mm -hmm. years and years later, he gets sucked back in for another adventure involving a teen girl who lives in the same apartment building. 
I thought this was great. Tyler Cook's art is so good throughout here. I love this idea of this reluctant hero who was so reluctant he never became a hero for decades, apparently. Really dug this book. What did you guys think? I agree completely. This was maybe my favorite read of the week. It was... So the art was so cool and atmospheric. The story, really smart. I like the way our main character, like you're saying, Alex, never became a hero, but still sort of, um, it seems like learned some stuff or did some stuff that we're going to slowly learn about over the course of his adventure with this, uh, this girl that lives in his apartment building. I just want to say, if you're a fan of Hellboy, I feel like, the, and Hellboy's hard to come by, fresh Hellboy, what fresh Hellboy is this? This is the fresh Hellboy. Um, it's, it reminds me of Hellboy in a great way. Very fun to check out. Uh, this is artistic as fuck. This is really beautiful. <laughs> Just so creative and well done. And I love a, a cranky old guy. You know what I mean? Like, just give me an old guy flicking off young kids being like, you fucking fucks. I love it. Uh, also, Sweet Sword. Fucking mm -hmm. sweet. I can't it wait for cool more. Sword. Yeah, I can't it wait for fits more. Fits in a box. This is just a really badass setup. I love the pacing of this. Kind of takes the time. Uh, you know, I usually like uh, uh, the order to go Justin Tyler, not Tyler, then something else. But I'll make the exception here. Uh, this is just uh, what? what are really, you talking about there? Because really it's Tyler, uh, uh, Crook. Tyler Crook. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was an accusation. Tyler Crook. Yeah, exactly. I don't think so. Somebody's coming for you. Tyler friend or Tyler <laughs> or Tyler boss while we're talking about it. <laughs> Beware the Eye of Odin, number one from Image Comics, written by Doug Wagner, art by Tim Odland. In this book, a young prince, I guess is what we'd call him, accidentally touches the Eye of Odin and is going to be cursed unless he returns it. So he sends off with a mismatched team of allies to bring it back and runs into some trouble. I thought this was very fun, just uh, like right on the line of being silly and adventurous at the same time. I enjoyed reading this book. What did you guys think? Yeah, this was a blast. This was really, uh, I love the characterization. Uh, this is just kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I love the old anvil on a chain here. A badass weapon. I, I, I think this is a great uh, first issue and setup. I love all the kind of different evil kind of uh, creepy monsters and stuff like that. Plus the eye is cool in itself. So this is great. I, I really kind of dove into this world and had a lot of fun. This reminded me a little bit of the um, Disney movie Tangled. Oh, uh, wow. There had some of the similar energy of that where it is. There's some adventure here, some mythology, but it's sort of a fun romp on top of that. Um so I, I like this. And if you I are a say, fan. I would say Tangled meets Headlopper. But yeah. There you go. Something that no one's ever said in the history of uh, the earth. Um, and there's also, on if you're a fan of Tangled or myth stories with animated shows with mythology, there's a Tangled series on Disney Plus, um, which are which is fantastic. Three seasons gets into some wild uh, really? stuff. I've watched uh, uh, several times with my, my daughters. Aww. There we go. 
Moving on, Milestones in History, number one from DC Comics, written yes. by Reginald Hudlid, Alice Randall, Amy Chu, Stephen Barnes, Tana Nariv Du, Pat Charles, Karen Parsons, Toure, Melody Cooper, art by Johnny Lindsay, Eric Battle, Maria Laura Sinapo, Ron Wilson, Don Hudson, Jamal Yassim Eigel, Arvel Jones, Francesco Francavia, Ray Anthony Height, Dominic Doom Stanton, and Leon Chills. Now, this is a, I believe, 88-page gigantic book, and the idea here is the milestone characters walking you through different stories involving real historical figures. The tie-in is that Juneteenth happened just this past weekend, I assume, in terms of the publishing schedule, but I... I was really surprised how well this book worked and how much I enjoyed this book. I think historical comics could be a tricky thing. And some yeah. of the stories do fall on the side of being too much text and a little too explanatory and sort of forgetting that they're comic stories. But those are few and far between. The large majority of them are very fun to read as these different characters either interact with historical figures or learn about the history in some specific way. And I I really enjoyed this a lot. I thought the art was really good. The stories were really good. The stories historically were very interesting as well. Uh, what did you guys think? Yeah, I was just really impressed. Very moved. Uh, this is really powerful. Great stuff. I'm so glad that this comic exists. I love the many Queens of Sheba story. The hard hardware store was amazing. Uh, also, the Prince story was really cool. The Prince one was, uh, yeah, I love yeah. that one too. I mean, this was just packed full of great stories. You know, there's a lot of times where you kind of get a mixed bag, but this was very hard hitting. I don't know how much this goes for, but I would say it's worth it because it, this really some incredible stuff. It's $50,000 an issue. Does that change your mind yeah. at all? Nope. Oh, okay. Worth there it, he know. says. Worth um, the investment. And I want to shout out, like, I feel like DC does a lot of these uh, series. Um that like we're saying can be a mixed bag. I think this one, the format really, really works. And I, I would like to see more of their um, the short story series, anthology series uh, or single issues like this, that that do have like a more of a creative format on it. Cause it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Huge. Next up, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Moon Girl, number one from Marvel, written by Mohal Mashigo and art by Iguara. This is the first of a series of crossovers that will pair Moon Girl with a bunch of different heroes as she looks for Devil Dinosaur. In this case, Miles Morales is the Devil Dinosaur in this scenario. Um, I thought this was a fun pair-up. I was glad to see Moon Girl sort of take center stage and have Miles Morales along for the ride. Um, I thought this was fun. What about you guys? Yeah, I love this. I thought it was really cute, uh, but also really cool. Uh, really great art. They 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 did such a good job with the characters. They really felt like themselves, even though it was a team up. And, uh, you know, people love running into each other in the hallway. It is just a real thing that happens to everybody. If it happens twice, it's a meet cute. It is. But, uh, man, uh, I think... I loved it. I, I was like, well, this is going to be maybe a little young focus, but I was really impressed uh, by the writing and the, and the quips and stuff. I thought it was great. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, kicking off, it seems like, some other Moon Girl um, crossovers, which is cool. A character that, um, seeing her out and about more, I feel like she's sort of pops in her own section of the Marvel Universe, but you don't see her interacting with a lot of other characters. So that's cool. Yeah, it's exciting. Well. 
The Wrong Earth Confidence Men, number one from Ahoy Comics, written by Mark Wade, art by Leonard Kirk. This is another in a series of linked one-shot comic books that focus on the different dragonfly men and dragonfly of different Earths. One is the more extreme version of Batman, except called Dragonfly, and the other one is sort of the 60s Adam West version of Batman called Dragonfly Man. You have two parallel stories here where their version of Robin is running into just some trouble with the guy who's training them. Um, what do you guys think about this? I know we've been talking about all of these individually, and I think we've been a little back and forth, but how did this one strike you? I like these. Uh, I think I was really into the Mark Russell one from a while back, showing that sort of no matter what you're doing on uh, each of these Earths, uh, you there's some sort of corruption or mistakes that ends up causing the same calamities. This uh, sort of has that same philosophy um, where we see two different takes that arrive at a very similar place at the end of it. And what I like about these is they take comic book tropes. It, it would be easy to make this like, and there's the dark version, and here's the, the goofy yeah. version, and that's it. But what they do in these comics, is they add an extra, extra layer, an extra twist, where they do, they're taking a, taking a comic book trope and really spinning it and get, getting you to look at it again with fresh eyes. And I appreciate that and have been enjoying these. Yeah, this Mark Wade guy really knows how to write. And it's one of those things where uh, it comes across and the twists and the creativity of the story uh, really uh, all kind of culminates uh, at the end there in a nice way. So, um, uh, yeah, I thought that, I thought it was very cool. I hate this place, number two, from Image Comics written <laughs> thought, by Kyle. I thought you were like, I, I hate, hate this, this book. I hate it. I hate this place. Number two from Image Comics, written by Kyle Starks, art by Art Yam Topolin. If you did pick up the first issue of this book, and you definitely should, it takes place. Two women move into a house that they think is going to be their dream house. Turns out it's, and this is the lightest way of putting it, is haunted, uh, because it's not just haunted. Basically, every horrible thing you could possibly imagine is happening around this house, and they are trapped there forever. In this issue, they try to figure out how to get out of that and things go predictably wrong. At the same time, a convict, convict, I guess, criminal who has been looking for some lost money. He's not uh, wearing stripes and trying to break up rocks. I know. It's just he is very much the kind of guy who's like just broke off his, you know, cartoon wrecking ball style thing that was holding yeah. him back. Um, this book is so good. It's so dark and so gross and so much fun to read. Um, you know, these ghosts are fucked up. You, you read a lot of books, and it's like the ghosts are like a little bit in any direction, but they're always like, you know, intangible, and they've got a message from the past or something. Classic ghosts. And I'm haunted by my own ghosts, and they're boring. <laughs> Let me be honest, they're boring. The wow. ghosts in this book, fucking terrifying all the time. They show up in a group. They wreck, they wreck shit, and they're timely. Ghosts often, not timely. You're like waiting around. These ghosts, they come on time, and they're mad. They're mad about having to be on time, which I am also. Pete, what did you think uh, about this? I don't know how to unpack what Justin just said, but uh, I, I, I gave love... a review of the book, which <laughs> is suitable to be on the jacket of the eventual trade. All right. Well, I just feel that like there was a lot of you complaining about time, which was weird. Anyways, I think that uh, the relationship in this story is great. I love the kind of two people stuck in their dream home and what they're willing to fight for and put up with. Um, yeah, I, it's, 
it's insane and over the top, but the housing market is also insane and over the top. So mm. I, I feel it. It's uh it's uh it's a arts unbelievable, some really cool stories, a lot of fucked up ghosts. I mean, what more do you want? Well, so I was weird, but you're talking about the housing market. Okay, (laughs) one other thing that I'll say additionally about this, I think you're on the side of ghosts. Not exactly a criticism, but the first issue I remember saying that I was surprised how relatively serious it was, given that Kyle Stark's stuff is usually pretty ridiculous. This issue brought in a little bit of his humor occasionally. There's a thing where there's two Radchads talking about what they would do with the lost money, and one of them does like, why, I'd spoil me one of the Russian cab girls, which is yes. very funny. And then there's a thing later on, this is I'm going to spoil a bit here, but I thought this was so great. They go to see a fortune teller to help him out, and she's like, well, I'll read the cards, and everybody knows the bit where you read the cards and the third one is the death card. And they're like, you know, that could mean a lot of things. But this time she flips out the death card, does, you know, that could mean a lot of things. And then the second card is death. And the third card is death. And then it just keeps coming up death card. It's great. Great. It's funny. It was funny funny. and horrifying, which is one of my favorite combinations. Hey, Brent, have you ever seen Babylon 5 before? Babylon 5? mean that show from the 90s? Yep. No. You want to watch it for the first time? Let's do it. Babylon 5 for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the first time. We're searching for Star Trek-like messages in the series and deciding if we should have watched it sooner. You can find us on Good Pods, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Babylon 5 for the first time, not a Star Trek podcast. Aquaman and the Flash, another one of my favorite combinations. Yeah. I guess we'll find out in Void Spring number one from DC Comics, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Vasco Georgiev. In this issue, Apocalypse, not the actual character, but an Apocalypse, comes to Earth, and the only people left to stop it are Aquaman and the Flash. That's where we get to at the end. I didn't know how this was going to work, but I thought this worked great. This felt like a big budget movie in comic book form, and I loved it. Yeah, the art had this sort of clean sensibility to it that I really appreciated. And I think that's where it felt like a an animated feature or something. And I got to say, like, uh, this felt like, oh, I don't know what this is for. Uh, but reading it, it was one of my favorite DC books of the week. And it made wow. me miss Justice League stories that are like this that are mm-hmm. like just a good adventure between a couple characters. Um, it reminded me of like very like early aughts Justice League or like mid nineties stuff where it was like, mm-hmm. hey, this just surprising uh, threat encounters them and it happens to be Aquaman and Flash who are dealing with it. We also got some great windows into their family lives and how they can sometimes not say the right thing. Uh, I Yeah, I agree. This was really cool. I love this whole setup, an interesting team up. I, I thought the art was really cool. And, you know, I'm a Spawn fan, so I love a countdown clock. You know what I mean? So intense and scary, oh. those countdown clocks. Oh, you uh, should, you, Pete, that reminds me, you should check out any sport. Hmm. I'll, I'll check that out. that's what they do. A lot Circle of times back they, Spawn the, the is cl- playing uh, sports now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the yeah. Todd McFarlane, uh, he does like a lot of different sports figures and his figurine oh, stuff. Really so. Cool. You're always, um, but, pushing, you're always pushing his figurines. Yeah. What's going on with the housing market, though, Pete? Oh, man. It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare out there. This is uh, really good. He wants to rent the ghost house. He's like, I, I don't care. I'll, <laughs> do I'll kill How some cheap, convicts. Do not cheap. What's the price on the murder ghost house? 
Immortal X-Men number three from Marvel, written by Karen Gillan, art by Lucas Wernick. In this issue, we're getting a big focus on Destiny. Uh, she is now back as part of Krakoa. She is alive. She's younger. She's romancing it up with Mystique, and she knows some bad things are coming down the line. Karen Gillan is very much picking up and expanding on what Jonathan Hickman set up in his run on X-Men here and laying down some new ground rules for how the timelines are going to work and the upcoming conflict in some surprising ways. I really like this book. Pete, I know you're anti-X-Men, so Justin, why don't we find out from you first how are you feeling about this? Um, this was a fun, I feel like the way a lot of the X-Men books work is because they're so sort of broad in what they're covering that we don't get sort of the micro character study things, except for some of those annuals that um, Hickman was doing uh, last year or two years ago. Um, so I, I like this a lot. I like the focus on destiny and the um, relationship with Mystique. A lot of tension. Professor X is sort of a full on bad guy mm -hmm. uh, at this point, right? Yeah, you got to be feeling good about that at least, Pete. The fact that nobody likes Professor X now. Cool. <laughs> wow, you got. You, surely there's something you could pull out of here and be like, "That was cool." Oh, really? You think there was something cool in this book? Uh, I do. There's a great emotionality. Uh, Destiny as a character is one of the few characters that can see the future, where you really feel the Cassandra problem, where mm -hmm. she's just like. I can see the future, but it sucks all the time. Everything is awful because of my ability to see the future. And there's a great LGBTQ plus relationship in the middle of Pride Month. You got to be proud of that, right, Pete? I mean, I do love that kind of stuff. I mean, the my favorite part was the ending when she was like writing the kind of note at the end. And I was like, OK, good. This is over. Uh, but uh, really beautiful art, you know, um, I, you know, it's just, just a, a lot of stuff. This I don't. the rest of your life, Pete. <laughs> a lot of fucking, this is just, let's Call get it. the fuck off. Fuck I, I the, Marvel the made a declaration. fucking council that I don't give a shit about any of them or what they want to say to each other. on this stupid little, eh, should we do this? I don't know. I'm a fucking <laughs> lollipop head. Go fuck yourselves. Let's get back to the fucking real deal. I love how it really does like stress you out. I feel like you're like, oh, these guys are just fucking talking all the time. I want to kill them. <laughs> Next like issue, the, I heard they're going to start a podcast. Oh, great. Uh, I mean, Krakoa, you know, Krakoa is like releasing that shit. Doug yeah, Ramsey's like, he's like, hey, I, I'm doing this on Tree Stitcher. Talk. Tree Talk yeah. with Doug Ramsey. Stitcher Plus. Deadly Class, number 53 from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Wes Craig. We are getting to the end now. There are only a couple of issues left. And in this one, while Marcus tries to make money however he can with a clearly terrible sci-fi novel, some bad stuff is going down involving Shabnam, who is back and pivoting very much to be the big uber bad of this final arc and probably the series as a whole. Um, this is very stressful to read at this point, just because... Yeah. Everybody can go out at any time. Well, and plus, like, it's the inevitable end. The inevitable last arc is, like, all the characters are going to, like, the whole thing was they were trained to kill each other. They almost kill each other through the whole series. They're probably going to kill each other at the end, right? Mm -hmm. And it's still deadly surprising. Class. It's still, it's not, it's not dead, nearly deadly or uh, deadly weekend. It's deadly class. And this class is going down. Yeah, the whole class is going to die horribly. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just 
absolutely amazing, horrifying, beautiful, sad. It's all the things, but Remender is just absolutely uh, uh, enjoying it and killing it in, in so many ways. I love the art. I love the storytelling. It is so fun to ride with these characters through all of this insanity. I don't want it to end, but uh, Remender, Remender will probably kick us uh, one more time before it's all over. I oh, think I think multiple a, times. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair bet. Something is Killing the Children, number 24 from Boom Studios, written by James Tide the Fourth, art by Werther Daldaria. In this issue, we find out a lot more about the new killer member of the House of Slaughter. I don't know if she's technically in the House of Slaughter. Whatever it is, she's going to be sent to kill Erica, our Newbie. main character. So... That's bad news. Uh, while a lot of stuff is going on in this new town at the same time, I thought this was a really good issue. I'm really liking this arc a lot. It feels very different from the first arc. But what do you guys think? Uh, JT4 is phenomenal. Uh, it's just one of the, I Every issue of this is just so great. Uh, I love learning more about the houses. I love learning more about the characters. It's, it's so badass. I don't want anybody to die, but I feel like uh, the shit is coming and uh, it's not going to be good. But, man, it's a hell of a ride. Of all of uh, James Tynan's stuff, like this one feels like it's moving the slowest. It's meticulous and like he's meticulous. Well, watch your mouth. But, watch your goddamn mouth. But I like and I, I'm not saying it's like bad or anything, but for some, there's something about this book that like it feels like it's moving in slow motion a little bit for me. And even the the other book about the houses is sort of more. I get more excited about that. I enjoy that one more. How dare um, than this one, which does feel like it's like, haha! Do you see this? There's something that's killing the children. And I'm <laughs> oh like, oh God. yeah, I know. Uh, that's the whole thing. So I do think. It's getting places. How it's going to pop, but um, it, I'm surprised at how slow it feels. It's built up, man. I mean, come on. You it gotta is have... one that I think maybe if you feel like that, then read it in trade because you're going to get a little more out of it. But yeah. it's it's paced like a 70s horror movie, you know, which is yeah. slow, which is careful, which is this creeping dread going on with moments of slow scares there. Um, but yeah, I, I and... get what you're saying. And you think it's like an adorable moment with uh, somebody and their stuffed toy, but no, it's fucking evil, man. It's an yeah, evil yeah. stuffed toy. But it happened so, in like issue two, just to be clear. Well, it happened uh, in evil. this issue too, man. All right. Yeah. <laughs> issue two and this issue too. Those are homonyms. Superman's pal yeah! Jimmy Olsen's homina, boss homina. Perry White, number one from DC Comics. Homonyms, homonyms. Mad Fraction, Elliot S. Magan, Neil Clyde, Brian Michael Bendis, and Ivan Rice. Art by Steve Lieber, Kurt Swan, Dean Hashpiel, and Joe Prado. This is a couple of news stories about Perry White paired with some older ones and some, um, I don't know, a flash from the truth storyline, I guess you want to call it a couple of quick pages in the middle there. But I really enjoyed this. I thought even the, like the old school story from Elliot S. Maggot and Kurt Swan was a lot of fun and totally ridiculous. Hilarious. The smoking around the kids was so funny. Yeah. That's funny to do now. That's a good prank to do, by the way. Parents love that. Oh yeah. Uh, But I I thought this was a great package. Yeah. Uh, Really solid package. 
just a great like package, I guess mm-hmm. is what I would yeah, say. Yeah, the Wildcat story was really cool. The, the very touching moment with uh, Superman and Perry there, and they kind of did it in this cool shadowy way. Uh, I thought it was very artistic. So uh, real quick, I think you're shouting out the friends of the show, Neil Clyde and Dean Hashbill story that was uh, second to last. And yeah. then there is this weird thing at the end where they're just like, here's some pages that aren't finished, but it's cool, right? And it was. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this feels like a joke and a, a book that sort of is plays fast and loose uh, comedically. But that last those last couple of pages were definitely to me the most like affecting of the whole thing. Absolutely. But also, I know it was not your favorite thing, Pete, but having Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber playing yes. in the Daily Planet world again is so much fun. I just really enjoy it a lot. The quick thing that they do with Jimmy Olsen screwing stuff up it was great. Uh Good stuff. I I want them to do one of these for every single member of the Delhi Planet staff, and I will keep reading every single one. Nice. The Amazing Spider-Man number four from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by John Romita Jr. Spider-Man has messed up somehow in a big way, and we don't know why or how. All we know is that he's bitter, annoyed, and been beaten up. Mary Jane is no longer with him. Seemingly, she's with a new guy and some kids who call her mommy. So there's a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. Uh, But the big thing that's happening in this arc is it's positioning Tombstone as one of the big bads in Spider-Man's life. And there is a phenomenal twist of this issue that I will not spoil that took me completely by surprise. This is a great run so far. I agree. It's a great run. It's taking some risks that are, like, stressful. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't imagine how Pete feels. Um, the official stress captain of the comic book industry. <laughs> uh, but the, the when Mary Jane has the, the kid there, I was like, eh. I had to look at the title of the comic again because I was like, is this set in some other place? What's happening here? And um, I agree. I like it. And I'm curious. There's so many open questions. Well, you want to talk about great duos. Zeb Wells and John Romita Jr. are phenomenal. Uh, this is g- such a great team. I am crazy stressed about what's happening and why and who's doing what. Uh, the ending was real crazy. Um, yeah, and to see S- Spider-Man so stressed out makes me so stressed out. Uh, but man, the art is bananas good. Uh, just uh, so many amazing action panels and stuff like that. So uh, I'm a little confused at the ending, but uh, I'm excited to see what's next. I can explain it to you when we're off the podcast, but oh, it's okay. a really good, really good <laughs> twist, really good run. I, I just don't want to spoil it for everybody. Because yeah, I, I think that's so a good move. Happy and surprised. Radiant Red, number four from Image Comics, written by Cherish Chen, art by David LaFuente. In this issue, our main character is pulling off a big heist dealing with some problems at home and then a twist involving certain loyalties. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I really like the radiant black world and I like this even darker take that we're getting here from Cherish Chen. I thought this issue was really good. I like the turn and I'm excited and nervous to see what happens to this character. Uh, yeah, I really think the, the combination of the art style and what's happening is such a cool team up because you have these kind of like, uh, uh, thicker lines and these kind of like more uh, soft characters, almost cartoonish look uh, looking like. And when they have such kind of violent or, or, or crazy discussions, it's really a fun justifi- justification. Um, Justin, justification. 
Uh, nope, nope. Um, that's, that's don't make this it. about you. We don't need to do that every time. She's just correcting the word. Um, but yeah, I agree with the Zalbatron and uh, love the radiant world and uh, the creative swings that they're taking. Uh, these books are really phenomenal. Pronounced Zalbatronic. Um, I think this uh, is also good. I back. I back what you guys are saying. It's it is good, and uh, we have another book in this stack. This strong stack. Uh, it's also set in the Radiant Black Universe, correct? Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment, though. Yeah, Shaolin Cowboy, Cruel to be Kin, Shaolin. number two. Shaolin Cowboy, excuse me, Cruel to be Kine. Kine? Kin. Kin. Kin? Okay, I don't know words. Number <laughs> two from Dark Horse hey! Comics by Jeff Darrow. In this issue, our cowboy is running across the desert being chased by a baby man and some weird creatures and things. This book is gorgeous to look at. Absolutely wild and weird to read. Pete, I know this is one of your favorites of the week. Talk about this book. Well, this is the future of comics right here. Okay. It's leaning into the art. Less words. Okay. Mm. We don't need the word balloons ruining the art. We want to just feel the things with the characters wonder about what they're going through don't need all this talky talky nonsense uh i just uh yeah i'm constantly impressed with the action the paneling all the kind of uh nonsense that's happening all at once this is creative very cool uh just just badass in a lot of different ways and really kind of uh a creepy kind of villain it reminds me a little bit of like uh Afro Samurai a little bit. Um, and uh, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm having a great time. Great uh, chicken fight. Yeah. Here. <laughs> you don't say that much, but this is a great chicken fight. Not these days. A lot of birds fighting here, I would say. <laughs> Dark Crisis, Young Justice, number one from DC Comics, written by Megan Fitzmartin, art by Laura Braga. In this issue, we're kind of tying into Dark Crisis. It's not 100% clear how yet, other than the Justice League being dead. But we get a team-up between the classic members of Young Justice who, spoiler, get flung back in time to one of their original adventures, uh, one of their most uncomfortable and creepiest by their own admission adventures. Yeah. Uh, Justin, I have to imagine you were fans of these characters. Oh, Pete, you have a question? Well, Before just we one it. thing I wanted to, I just wanted to, you know, there's a lot of times where you don't get to thank things. So I just wanted to thank the uh, cloud boob uh, situation that was going on in this book. And I thought it was well done. And I'm glad the clouds were there. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is, wait, what's the name of the character? Uh, like endowed or something. Yeah, like that. the endowed, major endowed or something like that. I think she was created by Peter David and was supposed to make fun of those sorts of overly bosomed 90s characters so that was the whole idea there and she did have that boob cloud back then as well um yeah it's all very weird it, and this book back in its original form was weird like that um mm -hmm. it would like try to it would make quote-unquote jokes like that and um and just play them at pretty straight as their adventures they were going through that, that <coughs> issue um, but I, I like this issue a lot. It's funny to me how much we're flashing back to this scene where the everyone gathered because the Justice League died. It's such an interesting touch point for this crossover to keep revisiting because it's so internal. Mm -hmm. It's not an action moment. It's everyone being like, they really died. 
uh, over and over again. I also think it's interesting because all of the sort of second generation versions of these characters are the ones who've taken the mantles, leaving these third generation versions to be like, well, I guess we don't do anything. Yeah. Which I, that's a cool take. Yeah, I I guess I just need to know how this ties into Dark Crisis, you know, other than that beginning point or exactly what is going on with the story there, personally. I I agree. I agree. But Justin, I just want you to know when you die, uh, a lot of my life is going to take place at your gravesite and uh, kind of talking about, uh, you know, uh, still podcasting. Yeah. Well, but that's that's because Justin, I'm going to take your mantle as your. As your young ward, you're my, you're my, <laughs> you're my successor. Mm-hmm. Are you, yeah, please, please. <laughs> Excuse me. Homesick pilots number fifteen <laughs> from Image Comics, written by Dan Waters, art by Casper Wingard. In this issue, we are finishing up things oh, with the homesick man. pilots. Who knew? Uh, last issue of the book. All the ghosts finally fight back against evil horseshoe face. And we get some resolution here. How do you feel about how the book wrapped up? I mean, this this whole series plays like a wild, uh, like orchestral crescendo. It's like it starts quiet, and then it, by this last issue, like it's just blowing everything out of the water. You got the different bands, you got uh, all the ghosts. Everything's just like sort of shouting into the the void a little bit. Um, I like the way it ended. I it, it feels like there's so much more that could be done here with yeah. uh, these pieces that are on the table. So I, I hope we get more soon. I agree. I, I feel like uh, I they wrapped it up a little too quickly for me. I feel like we could have really gotten a lot more story out of this. Um, but uh, I, I every issue has been just unbelievable and a ton of fun artistically impressive what they're doing with this uh you know this is one of those kind of watershed moments in comics uh of just a creative kind of mashup uh of achievements here and uh it's it's been a hell of a ride couldn't agree more with everything that you guys said moving on to earth prime heroes twilight number six from dc comics written by jeff hirsch and thomas pound art by will robson and pablo m collar this is tying up another storyline this one tying into the cw arrowverse shows here we're getting the mashup team up that was teased throughout the first couple of issues as all of these arrowverse heroes come together to fight various villains i know we've been a little back and forth about these issues this is the one that felt the most like comic booky crossovery yeah to me Justin, go ahead. I was gonna say that felt like the goal here is to take mm-hmm. the uh, the TV characters and to be like, let's actually just get to this issue where we can have like a big bang up comic book fight. And so that way it was successful. They get a couple jokes in here, which I think is fun. And you get Pete, your guy, Arrow, in his own little corner for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think this is uh, you know there's some fun creative stuff here. I think this is like a great example of why I would never become a villain because there's nothing worse than some do-gooder like giving you a lecture about like why you're bad. Um, that's but, what's holding you back from full villainy? Yep, that's it. That's the a only conversation? Reason. An yep. awkward conversation? That's right. I couldn't handle it. Uh, but I love the Clark Kent just, uh, you know, plowing his own field there moment was hysterical. Uh, yeah, I think this had some uh, cute moments, some fun stuff, really great art. 
Yeah, I think this was a nice tie-up to this crossover, like you guys have been saying. Next up, Noctera, number 11 from Image Comics. Written by yes. Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel. In this issue, a big fight is going down between Blacktop Bill, the other Blacktops, I don't know exactly what we're calling them, Willie. and our main heroes for the fate of Eos, which is the last remaining hope for this very, very dark world. Some big stuff goes down in this issue. I love the fact that they are not afraid of making some huge changes to their characters, particularly in a Aren't creative they own work. Shades aren't isn't it like they're they're the shades. Am I wrong about that? No, the yeah. shades are the creatures I'm talking about, like wow. yeah, the ones who have when the, you uh, treatment, the blacktop bill treatment. Yeah. Sorry. Could you yeah. It's like it's giving a spray tan. Yeah, the same sort of thing. Uh, I think this was one of my favorite issues of this series. I really like where it ended up. I uh, sort of saw the surprise coming, but it didn't diminish its impact on me. Wow, you did. Uh, huh? Yeah, and um, and it's a it's a good story. It's a good world. I like this sort of race to the finish line uh, vibe. While at the same time, they keep having calamities happen to them every time they pull over, just like any road trip. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, but I, I I, did really like the twist at the end. I didn't see it coming. I thought it was fun. Uh, I mean, they're doing such a great job of constantly heightening the stakes in this book. And it's it's really just kind of this over-the-top uh, insanity in, in such a crazy way. It's a real adrenaline kind of rush. And, uh, yeah, I mean, artistically, it's phenomenal. There's some real creative villains in this and some fun bad guys. Uh, it's a blast. Nightwing number 93 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. And this issue, Nightwing and Barbara Gordon are fighting back against some vandals who are trying to destroy his Dick Grayson's public work projects. While meanwhile, in the background, Blockbuster and Hart, breaker i'm probably getting mm -hmm. it wrong are sparring on their own but i'm sure the big moment that justin wants to talk about here fuck yeah is Come the on. moment where nightwing accidentally says i love you to barbara to babs what a moment uh first i mean that was that's what's so great about this book first off uh the team here makes it look effortless make it makes comic, comic book writing and, and and drawing look effortless and it's great just you are right there with these characters the whole time i love them but i want to say we say that books are uh, worth it for the um, art alone this so. book is worth it for the cover alone wow. the covers that have been on this series are so good this one no different um with uh nightwing and Batgirl sort of on this uh like satellite rig on the side of a building and uh, this is just a fantastic book. I don't know who's not reading this, but you got to do it. I agree with Justin. If you're not reading this fucking book, you don't like comics. Like, this is just really uh, a blast. I mean, I don't know what more you would want. I mean, the romance, the action, the villain boss battle we get in this. This is just all, all sorts of amazing. And, and one comic uh, just continues to destroy every issue is just phenomenal. This is just one of those must pick ups. Newburn number eight from image comics written by Jim Zdarsky art by Jacob Phillips this is a rare 
two-parter from this comic book series. Last issue, we left Newburn's assistant, uh, I don't know. I don't know Partner. exactly. Partner. Yeah, that's fair. Um, she's kind of working under him, but with him, whatever. It's not important. Anyway, she was <laughs> set up for a crime that she committed back in the day. In this issue, Newburn manipulates the situation to their advantage, as he usually does. Uh, this book is great. Every issue out of the gate, the art is really good. The writing is really good. Even with the two-parter, though I was appreciating the one-and-done nature of the issues, I thought this was really great as well. Uh, what'd you guys think? Yeah, I mean, just cut and paste what we say for every goddamn one of these issues. It's artistically phenomenal. The action moves really well. This constantly is such a great book all the fucking time. And this character kind of finds new ways to kind of be a badass curmudgeon who's really good at his fucking job and uh, can get, uh, you know, seems to always have the answers. So hell's to the fucking yeah. Badass curmudgeon. The perfect Dreamcast role for Pila Page. That's right. Uh, I... There, we talk a lot about how uh, different books feel like they're just ready to go to television. This book feels like it is a season of television already. Uh, like each, the standalone issues are like the one-off episodes. This feels like um, a season finale with a cliffhanger. Uh, we don't know quite what's going to happen. It's a it's a really good book, and it's just um, front was firing on all cylinders right from the jump. Talk about a great duo. Duo number two from DC ah, Comics, aye. written by Greg Pak, art by Koi Fan. In themselves. this issue, uh, they really don't. In this issue, <laughs> the main character is dealing with the death of his wife, or at least he thought she was dead. But in fact, she used nanites to reconstruct the, both of their bodies, or more specifically his body. She is left inside of his mind, and they try to figure out what that means. This issue as various supernatural weirdos chase after them. Pete, I know you're loving this book. What would you think about this one? Well, you had me at Greg Pak. All right. The fucking guy is a phenomenal writer. This is just tripped out, but oh, so interesting. It's a page turner for sure. Sure. It is just a uh, great art and tense and uh, uh, really creative. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it strikes me as a smarter take on Firestorm right now. I feel mm. like Firestorm is a character that I really like but has been sort of a little bit broken by some of the the continuity choices that came through. And this, having it be like a couple, uh, I'm sure there's going to be some sort of internal drama that's going to be building up and coming to a head eventually. Um, but it already feels like just a tighter-knit version of that concept. I don't know yeah. if you guys get the Greg Pak newsletter, but uh, in the last one, it was some poetry with some imagery and there's layers to this guy. All right. He's not just giving you what you see. There's just <laughs> depth and stuff like that, that he brings to his writing. That is just absolutely magical. And you handle the, like the cartoons in the, the Greg Pak newsletter, right? I wish, man. I wish someday. Fingers crossed. The Silver Coin, number 11 from Image Comics, written by James Tynan IV, art by Michael Walsh. In this issue, we get a little bit of a riff on the Silver Coin here as a guy leaves it as a tip oh, at a boy. restaurant. 
a lady who is down uh, on her business because a McDonald's type chain opened recently near her diner, makes a wish on it, and it goes horribly, horribly wrong. Um, another great, great issue of this book. I love this book. I love that it's how scary it is. Um, and what I think is happening, this book sort of is a little bit of a cousin to another book we talk about a lot, Ice Cream Man, that it's like um, dark takes. And just like Ice Cream Man, I feel like we're starting to get a little bit of light thread that's connecting some issues. In this, we have a, a guy who's like seeing the silver coin and how uh, horrifying it is and is able to not be murdered <laughs> when he uses it <laughs> on someone else. Um, so that's cool. And otherwise, this is some of the best horror uh, one-off comics on the stand. Every time this book comes out, I kind of cross my arms and I say, okay, how are you going to gross me out this time? And each time I'm impressed by the creativity behind the gross out and the insanity that ensues. This is uh really impressive what they're able to do with kind of the similar setup every time and have a completely different story. It's a, uh, it's goddamn impressive and I don't like horror stuff, but I'm always intrigued by the creative tales that are woven here. Fables number 152 from DC comics written by Bill Willingham art by Mark Buckingham. The book is back. And in this issue, we get to catch up with Geppetto who meets what yeah. seems to be the new big bad of the series. Uh, big potential spoiler here. If you don't want to know, turn away. But it seems to be Peter Pan slightly grown That's up. That's what I, yeah. Yeah, it's not That's explicit. why you don't let that guy grow up. Mm -hmm. He was having exactly. fun as a kid. Now he's now he's a problem. Uh, I mean, so this that's is going on. Meanwhile, running... we meet... Oh, yeah, go ahead, Pete. I mean, this is a running theme. I mean, if you've seen Rescue Rangers, it's all about growing up Peter Pan being a douchebag. So. Uh, spoilers for Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, Pete. No, sorry. Uh, it's all right. Uh, it's good to have this book back. That's all I can yeah. say. And to have it be really, there's not a step away in form or function here. Like, it really does feel like it just kept going from whenever the last issue came out. And it's interesting how much focus there is on sort of the villains. Um, and we haven't really gotten a lot of uh, time with our, our wolf family and our other main characters. I, yeah, I think this is just really amazing story and art the side paneling stuff is so great to see and to experience uh and that whole kind of like sequence of the turning you know spoilers but there's this moment where uh kind of someone turns into this kind of wooden egg looking thing and the way that that's done is just really impressive and really artistic in such a cool way. And I love the 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 kind of premise and the heightening we get in this issue. Uh, yeah, this is just continues to be a really solid comic. Rogue Sun, number five from Image Comics, written by Ryan Parrott, art by Abel and Simone Rigazzoni. Uh, in this issue, we're dealing with the big fallout of the revelation that happened at the end of the last issue, which is that the new Rogue Sun's mom killed his dad. We find oh. out exactly how that happened in this issue. We talk a lot about how these Radiant Black and Associated books are kind of uh, inspired by slash the children of Invincible. And this to me feels like, yep, that's the Invincible twist right here. Setting it up as this intergenerational family drama between his mom and his dad and maybe his mom is the big bad here. Great. So much fun. 
And I'll tell you what, this one wasn't my favorite of all of the Radiant mm. books, um, but I thought this issue was really good. I thought this issue really crystallized sort of the point of all of it, and um, I'm definitely going to pick up the next one. Yeah, of course you're going to say this. This really deals with the relationship and that kind of stuff. So uh, it's right. Don't you just love relationships? Yeah, you do. Uh, Start but, a yeah. relationship every day, I say. <laughs> this amazing art. R- amazing art. All right, next up, Batman the Night, number six from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky. Once again, art by Carmine Carmine Dicienda Domenico. And in this issue, Batman, or our young future Batman, uh, also known as Bruce Wayne. I don't know if you've heard that. Oh, why? Spoiler, Jesus. Sorry, sorry, guys. Who's been traveling around with a friend of his. They come to a crossroads here as they get shooting training things really go down in this issue oh and man i don't know i don't think it's going to end well for this bruce wayne character i think that's come different. on dude don't oh, say that man, it's crazy so wait you're saying you think that his parents death affected him in this way i never put that together the the art in this book is amazeballs um it, it just so great to kind of see Batman in this kind of old school, cool way. Uh, I, I sort of doing a t- green arrow, sort of stealing green arrows, eating his lunch a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, but we, it's nice to spend some time in his head. Just, you know, I know you love that, but I'm having a blast. I, I do want to eventually get to uh, some ninja training. I know this is night kind of like spelled to the, the night way, but uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I want some ninja training. I want Batman ninja training. Well, maybe it could be K-N-I-N-J-A. There we go. Nice. Um, but I, I don't need to. I, I like these sort of slightly uh, off Bruce Wayne sidebars here where he's not good and he's not specifically learning like, ah, yes, I'll throw this boomerang and it'll hit a criminal. Now call it a battering. This is good stuff. The art is good. Next up, Bloodstained Teeth, number three from Image Comics, written by Christian Ward, art by Patrick Reynolds. If you haven't, check out our chat with Christian Ward and Patrick Reynolds from a couple of weeks back on the live show. That was oh, we should have talked to them about this book. We talked to them about this very issue, which is Fast yeah. and Furious with Vampires here. Justin, I know you were looking forward to this one. How do you think it delivered? Yeah, it's cool. Honestly, it's funny. Fast and the Furious is the comparison. I, I really was getting the vibes of Drive, the Ryan Gosling Ooh. movie, in a much bigger capacity. Gosling. Uh, Gosling, yeah. Um, the uh, But yeah, I, I like this. I like the premise of this book a lot and the way that it sort of plays out where we have the ongoing story while at the same time almost the one-off nature of it um, is a smart format for a, a title like this. Uh, you know, just reckless use of cars in this. I mean, you got to treat your cars better than that. You know, it's uh, just not something you can just crash. You around. bag, you bag and board your cars. You should. You should really try to take care of them as much as possible. Um, I, yeah, I I love the style of this. It's really cool, and I can see why you would get the drive of uh, mentality with the shading and the cool coloring here and all the action. Uh, yeah, this is this is. I'm impressed with what's happening uh, and what's going on. I'm having a good time here. Last but not least, let's talk about The Demon from DC Comics by Jack Kirby. Now, there's a bunch of different ways you can find this, whether online or off. We took a look at the first couple of issues that he ran back in, I want to say, 1972. Should have written it down, but I did Yes, I I think that's correct. 72, Yeah. yeah. But... 
what did you guys think about this? This is nothing. I had never read this before, and I got to tell you, I don't really have a great affinity for the demon as a character. What? Necessarily. Really? Uh, yeah, your, I don't know. Wait, let me just ask what you, Alex. Fuck? What's your problem? Yeah, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> what's your I don't deal? know. It's a weird design. He's so, like, small and stocky all the time. What the fuck? That's bump, the great thing about him. Bumping into stuff and being like, yeah, I'm going to rhyme at you. No, just kidding. I don't rhyme now. This is different in my timeline. I don't rhyme. Interesting. I love how Pete, anytime a character described as sh- short and stocky, he's like, what the fuck? That's a, that's a hero. The greatest thing you can do, yeah. <laughs> that's in the my mind. greatest thing you can do. Be what did you think about this then, Pete? And had you read any of this before? Uh, to be honest, no. Uh came a little before my time. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but um, I fucking love this just the jack kirby art and the paneling yeah the way that he leans so much on action i love the facial expression stuff the weird way he draws bodies i fucking ate this with a goddamn knife and fork it was so fun to go down this path and to see this character portrayed this way in such a cool mystical thing with merlin and all the kind of shit i was having such a great time i originally was like you know zalvin sends out the email like okay we got to check out this book and i'm like all right let's see what the fuck this is all about you know just to kind of give a quick glance so i know what i'm getting into and wait is your story here you read the email i sent you yeah but that's that me say that's amazing so but normally i just kind of like take a look at it get ready for a mental like okay this is what's going to be so when i'm ready for it i know what i'm getting into i started flipping through it and i couldn't stop i was fucking Mm. tore through this this was such a great portal in time to go back to Uh, i love the language of it all and just the dialogue i was having such a blast with this this was just so much fucking fun Welcome to the stack where we uh, work through a pile of Alex's emails, uh, half read them and just review them as we go. Um, I also really like this. You know, I haven't gone back and read a lot of Kirby stuff. um, And this has that sort of distinctly uh, Kirby vibe where it's like weird. The art, like it's sort of epic. There's mythology around it. And the art is just the way that Kirby draws eyes on all these characters where you can, t- they're all just like stressed out. They're like at the end of their <laughs> rope. Even the hero, you're like, whoa, what's up? Relax, dude. Um, it's it's really good. I, I enjoyed Thank you for the wreck because yeah, I wouldn't have was, gone back and read this. This was so great. I've, I've done a lot of Kirby stuff, but it, it's more kind of the more main stuff. And this was just such a great kind of thing to experience. So very cool. Yeah. Shouts to Sidewinder. Yeah, thank you so much, Winder, or whatever your name is. Really appreciate it. And if you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. All right, Pete, just let's hear about Alex's emails real quick, what your favorite one of the week was.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.